This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. You're ready. You're excited. Some of things. <laughs> One of three of us is pumped up, and you're ready to learn. I brought my pencil. It's the Blockbuster Film School. I'm Alex Bonner, as always, joined by your other fabulous professor, Mr. Nicholas Souter. New year. <laughs> New you? No. <laughs> Same you. Yeah. Also, this is coming out in like February. That's true. <laughs> probably. Yeah. It's still technically 2020, everybody. Welcome. You made it. Before we go into this, though, I do want to just beg real quickly to everybody who likes this, please tell your friends about Blockbuster Film School. Rate us on iTunes. Rate us on Spotify. Check us out. Wait, is this on the internet? This is all over the internet, bro. There's oh a God. great record of us talking shit about Harvey Weinstein. So hopefully he We're, loses, not just because he's a horrible monster, but also because if he doesn't, he may regain power and murder us. I keep giving all these cassettes out to customers. What's on them? <laughs> That's that weird girl who's in the well, right? <laughs> Who, not after video you, cassettes. Oh, no. Okay. No. Oh, okay. But yeah, check us out on Bonzo, on Instagram, Sleepy Menthol, Transient 2. Not Transient 1, that's George Lucas. Transient 2 is Brian Tapsu. Oh, I changed my Instagram handle. <laughs> to George Lucas? No, George to Lucas uh, real, real George Clooney, verified. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that ends the begging segment. Oh, we'll put in some music. Taps, put in some music for the begging segment. Blockbuster Begging School. Yeah. Please, make it, make it sound like... Make it sound like uh, WTTW. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. The phone lines are open. <laughs> but that's just why I say every morning when I wake up and nobody's texting me. <laughs> the switchboard's lit up. I yell that when one person has texted me when I wake up. <laughs> well, everybody, you're here to learn about movies and hear nonsense. That's what Blockbuster Film School does. It's what we're made for. It's we what are, we're going to do. What we're going to do. It's an elite film school. Like yeah. army ranger training, but for you movies, can only, you can only attend this film school if you write our name in a search thing and hit follow or subscribe. I don't know what it is. I don't. Right. Do and there's also a great hazing process in which we will. I don't know. I don't you even have, know what you're allowed to haze. You have to watch Battlefield Earth oh, and drink a bunch of awards. Oh, you have to watch The Last Boy Scout like we have done. Okay. And watch just, it all the way through. All right. I know, that's sadistic. I we didn't even watch it all the way through. We kept fast-forwarding. <laughs> we definitely yeah, fast No. Because it's trash. We've lost the hazing at our own fucking university. That is correct. That is correct. Our fraternity sucks. But this week we have something really cool because we are going to do a studio again. I think it's our second studio that we've done. Check out our Orion Pictures episode. It's pretty dope. Or send me a DM to my George Clooney Verified, and I will mail you one of these uh, cassettes that I have the show on. Interesting. Now I'm getting very curious what this cassette is, and I hope that it's mostly just you musing. I'm recording over old Tom Waits cassettes. <laughs> just like it's half of each of his song, and then randomly be going, can you believe people bought into this shit? And then it goes back to the song. Or VHS copies that my mom would get really upset about where there would be an old Bears game that she had recorded, and then she <laughs> wanted to watch it for some crazy person reason, and then she would go and realize that me and my brother had recorded several episodes of ALF and scream, hey, what is this? What is it? <laughs> I'm like, this is Alf. This is solid. Have you never seen Alf? You know, I don't like football, but I'm your mom's side for this one. <laughs> hey, he's from Melmac. Okay. For everyone who is born 
like 15 minutes ago, Alf was a character from television. Yes. He's back in pog form. But if you were born 15 minutes ago, then you know the subject mm. of our next modern yes. studio. It's, what are we uh, doing this week, Nick? We're doing A24. Mm. One of my favorites, yes. Yes. The new cool guy independent studio. Yeah. I'll see the trailer. I'll go, take my money. Yes. <laughs> Much in the way of kind of like Orion Pictures a little bit, where pretty much yeah. kind of the cool upstart production house slash producing studio who buys cool indie stuff. You see a through line. There's Orion. There's also Canon at one point, and then yeah. but then Miramax. But also, let's he doesn't need that Walker. <laughs> let's face it. There's lots of Miramax, Miramax movies and producers that are very good. But then A24 kind of filled the void. Really, yeah. Honestly, I'm going to defer to you a little bit on this one of like how A24 works and what it is. And you were the one who turned me on to it, honestly, to tell you the truth. I obviously love movies and shit, but I guess maybe we could start with our usual thing. What was the first A24 you really remember watching? I remember this very distinctly because it was very stupid. Okay. Uh, The experience and the movie. I was in New York visiting our friend Jess. Yes. She had just moved there. Her roommate wasn't home. And she was at work, and I couldn't go get a key from her. So I just wandered around New York for eight hours because oh, I took the earliest flight there was. And then at some point, I just got day drunk and went to a movie theater in Times Square. It's the only time I've ever been in Times Square. And I went and saw Spring Breakers drunk at oh, three in the afternoon. Oh, my God. Now, the reason I remember this so well is like halfway through the movie, somebody's cell phone goes off. <laughs> and this guy with a big hat goes running down. The stairs goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he gets in the aisle and he goes, well, what's up? Nothing. I meant some stupid James Franco movie. (laughs) Everybody in the theater laughed. Except Harmony Corinne. He was there. He was there and he was just still pissed off at David Letterman. (laughs) I wait till the movie's over. I go outside. I left right away. I'm standing in a little hallway because I wanted to see what this dude looked like. And he came out and it was a Hasidic Jew. And I was like, hey. He goes, what? I'm like, oh, sorry. (laughs) You're that hilarious guy. I'm excited to see you. You don't know me, but <laughs> yeah, Spring Breakers. It was the third movie they actually released as a company. Really? It was. Yeah, yeah. you're right because it was up there. Because I think the first time I remember seeing the logo was Sofia Coppola's The Bling Ring. Yeah, which, that's like their their fourth movie. I know it yeah. was, and there's a very good possibility that we might have a Sofia Coppola blockbuster film school episode at one point. I adore her. I love her movies. But I found it interesting that that movie did get critical acclaim. That movie did get nominated for some stuff. But that was kind of one of the ones where Sophia kind of takes on Hollywood like all the way, like in a subversive way that is not the way that most people do. And it freaks them out more than anybody. It's not Quentin Tarantino doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or something, you know, where it's kind of fun. And this is a direct attack on current Hollywood, (laughs) current Hollywood and the way people behave. But still really amazing. If you've never seen, we'll talk about it, but if you've never seen The Bling Ring, do yourself a favor. It's preposterously good. It really is. And it has all these, you know, non-actors in it that she manages to get performances out of. I think Sophia gets better performances out of people than maybe any other director in Hollywood. She made me think that Josh Hartnett was good at acting. I said that. I said that out loud. It's okay. We were all fooled. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then it just turns out Sophia is that good. She fooled me to think that James Woods was a decent person. (laughs) That's also fair. That's all, yeah. That's also fair. But she also gave us, you know, Black Widow and stuff. I mean, she really did. Like, she took some people who were, you know, kind of cool coming up actors and gave them 
the ultimate roles. Yeah, same thing. Bill Murray, I'd never heard of him until I saw Lost Yeah, right, I know. He had never... Yeah. To be fair, in a way, though, a lot of those Bill Murray doing, quote-unquote, dramatic performances had never worked because in mm. this... But they had never worked in that... I think way. it all started with Wes Anderson movies and that, the Agreed. Jim Jarmusch movies. I agree. The Wes Anderson, the Jim Jarmusch movies, but for it to really come into that getting nominated for Best Supporting Actor kind of stuff, really being regarded now truly as something else that was... Sofia Coppola, you know, making Lost in Translation. I love those Wes Anderson, Bill Murray stuff. I even like Where the Buffalo Roam. I've always liked him as an actor, but really to get recognized kind of takes Sofia to kind of pull all your pieces and make you into something that, like, Sofia figures out, like, that you are funny, but you're also weird and sad and uses all of it. Like, it's as if her dad kept being good. <laughs> I don't know. That's a big dig at you, Francis Ford. That's right. He's listening. Oh, right now. I'm He's... super rich with my vineyard now. <laughs> He's crying himself to sleep on a pile of wine. Well, it's called well, a pool of wine. Oh, at that point. oh yes, of course. That's, well, how did A24 start, Nick? A24 was founded by Uh-oh. Daniel Katz, David Fenkel, and John Hodges. Fenkel was the president, co founder, and partner at Oscilloscope. Films, mm-hmm. which was one of the people who helped found that was MCA, RIP. RIP. They put out some good stuff. They put out uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin and uh, Shut Up and Play the Hits. So, yes, for sure. Yeah. Also, those guys have been kind of running around, cats particularly. It's spooky they don't have Wikipedia pages, but those are kind of big time younger dudes, but Hollywood producers yeah. who, particularly cats, comes from a producing family and they have money and they know what they're doing. Like they're not guys who are some sort of weird, you know, real estate guy from Las Vegas who's like, now I'm going to produce a movie. Like, no, they are from a family that has been producing movies in Hollywood since like Max Shrek and shit. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, that's, uh, have you seen a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan? I saw the trailer. Hmm. Charlie Sheen. Yes. Yeah. That's their first movie they put out. Yeah. Which is a Roman Coppola joint. Yeah. Which I like, Scott Roman. Scott Schwartzman, Bill Murray, Patricia mm-hmm. Cat, mm-hmm. Catherine Winnick. I've um, has a banana on the poster. I know. <laughs> Box office it made two hundred ten thousand dollars. How much did it cost to make? It doesn't say. Ooh, that means that didn't go so hot. Yeah, they lost at <laughs> least a million dollars. But don't worry, that's a cat's kid. <laughs> they got they got some bucks. They're okay. They made all their money back. I mean, I think we should say also if you don't know who A twenty four is, if you're coming into this cold, I mean they now are a real deal force. Yeah. One of their films has won a Best Picture. They've been around since, what, 2012? Yeah, they've got... And they've got a movie that has... Less than goddamn, years, because they started in August. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And they've got one movie that has Best Picture, that's plus a bunch of Best, you know, Actor Awards and all kinds of other crazy shit. I mean, that's impressive as fuck, to be quite honest. You're right, then... But then Spring Breakers. Yeah. Which is still Harmony Korine's biggest hit. Uh, yeah, although it's not his best movie. That's not his best movie by far. Gummo is still yeah. his best movie. I I enjoyed seeing this movie the first time I saw it in theaters. It was so weird, and I was a little buzzed up, and it was just... Um, <laughs> oh, it's definitely fun to yeah. watch. It's a fun movie to watch. It's like a one-time movie in the theater you watch. You can't repeat it. No. Yeah. That's kind of Harmony Corinne in general. Yeah. I mean, I, I could watch Gummo again, but like once a decade. Oh, I've seen Gummo like eight times. (laughs) I used to go to my friend Sam's house and she would just put on Gummo. I'm like, I literally got to the point. I was like, you know, I have a copy of Heat in my car, right? That's also, not to go into a Harmony Current episode, but I do love that story about how Larry Clark was making, he he wasn't going to make kids, but he was a photographer and he was photographing 
skateboard kids in Washington Square Park in the 90s, and this weird kid came up to him and was like, knew him, knew who he was, which was, for Larry Clark as a photographer, very weird. I've heard him on Mark Marin, and he was like, that was very strange. Like, why would this child know who I am? And then he gave him a script. And only because it was this weird, cool, funny skateboard child who wasn't wearing shoes who gave him a script. He read the script. It was like 40 pages long and it was kids. And Larry Clark said that it blew him the fuck away. And then in that nineties thing, he had to then try to track down. He went back to why he was like, who's this kid who and he would describe it to other weird skateboard kids. And they're like, Oh, that's harmony. He's a fucking weirdo. And then he had to figure out where he lived and then he had to figure out where he was. And then he had to option a script from him. I don't know. I just find that very, I always liked that story. That's some sort of weird kind of Marvel superhero story of that's not how most people get their start in Hollywood of. No, but that's <laughs> very hard. That's when New York was still New York. Mm-hmm. You could do shit like that. It's also like the only way that you would think someone like Harmony Corinne. It's like the idea that maybe like David Lynch was just working as a garbage man or something and making weird statues out of trash. And then someone in Hollywood was like, I'd watch that movie You're a right genius. now. He was like, I'm not a genius. I'm no one. I'm nothing. I live no, only. David Lynch would go, I am. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm actually transcendental meditation. Yeah. And <laughs> have you ever heard of this? Why is uh, your David Lynch? You're also your George Lucas. George Lucas is much angrier. Mm-hmm. You know, like this. To be fair, George Lucas is basically just my Richard Trey. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'll yeah. crush you like a bug. Because let's face it, I swear to God, that's sort of when Spielberg was casting Jaws. He was like, I got a friend like this. He's brave and angry and weird. And is always correcting everyone all the time. Anyways, so what comes after that? They make their own movies. They distribute movies. And they also buy movies that Hell people yeah. made. And the, one of them they bought was Enemy from Denise Villeneuve. Canada. Yeah, with uh, Gyllenhaal in it. Check out and our Denise Villeneuve Gyllenhaal episode. Yes, it. yes. This was the first time they did this thing where they also like released the movie in selected theaters and then released it on video on demand at the same time. Ooh, and that was like sort of a big hit for them. Right. And they were kind of ahead of their game with the releasing things on direct to stream. Yeah. Registering that they kind of kind of something that Miramax was doing at the end of Miramax, you know, kind of the HBO format. That's interesting. I know we talked about enemy, but yeah. I watched it again. I it's really, great fucking it's movie. so yeah. good and so spooky. And if you've never watched enemy, Denny Villeneuve, Obviously, we had an episode about him, but man, is that a fucking... Also, Jill Hall deserves all the credit for this movie because he's playing two different versions mm-hmm. of himself, and then they switch, and he's playing himself right. acting as his other self, acting yeah. as that one. But then even spookily, is it all just one guy? Does the time make sense? I don't want to spoil anything, okay? But when he finds the big spider... Is that just like the moment he goes crazy, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? That he was always talking to someone who wasn't there. He finds the big spider. That's when he goes crazy and splits into two personalities. The part where he dies in the car with Shoshana, right? That's actually how he dies. Oh, he's not dead. She's dead. That's how he goes crazy. Oh, inter- or the other way. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh. And then he goes back to the house the next morning and the wife is the spider. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. Or he's already dead and he's in hell. Or something. Maybe. Or like death has come for him. Like he cheated death or something. You know, like weird yeah. shit. Weird. Oh. Death becomes him. Yes. But like the fact that the mom brings up stuff about the other, like they've been going to the same mom. Also that idea, like maybe they're weird brothers who just for some reason 
refused to acknowledge the other one. Like there was a split of twins. To be fair to me, this is the kind of A24 kind yeah, of Yeah, they're all like this. The whole idea of the company was founded on having a distinct point of view and all of their movies have a very... Like Miramax would put out anything. They would buy scripts and then reuse them as like... Uh, Hellraiser sequels or fucking <laughs> yes, they would Halloween <laughs> Six. <laughs> yeah. what, to be fair, that's when we do our Dimension episode. Yeah, I know. Oh my god! Although the uh, shitstorm there's gonna be. <laughs> or now we can't even talk shit about New Line Cinema because they made those goddamn fucking Lord of the Rings movies, so they are too powerful to make fun of. I've seen them. Uh, I. That's fair. We'll we'll talk about that. That's wow. Um, oh, he's writing this note. Yeah, so Brian Taps is writing. Brian Taps goes right to the writing, producer board, but. Yeah, Enemy. Also, Enemy's a big hit. It's a big hit. I think their two big ones are kind of right after that, though. Like, right? Like. Under the Skin. Oh, Under the Skin comes out after that. Right afterwards. Like before Ex Machina? Yeah, like years before Ex Machina. Really? Yeah. So how do you feel about Under the Skin? Under the Skin, if everybody doesn't know, is a really dope, once again, Scarlett Johansson movie. Under the Skin is one of the... How do I put this nicely? Uh-oh. It is, it's a masterpiece, but it's also boring. Interesting. It's gorgeous and it's amazing and it's so good. And like, I fast forwarded sometimes when I watched it. Yeah. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, is this not as good as everyone says? And then I'd be like, oh, fuck, it is. And I'm like, oh, wait, now I get it. Yeah. It's stop and go. The parts that are good are amazing. It's so good. That movie could be 15 minutes shorter and just as good. Right. But like the Irishman, which cut out the entire first time. And then it's two hours long and really good. Really good two hours. Um, <laughs> no, but like Scarlett Johansson in this is amazing. Mm-hmm. She definitely seems like somebody who's never been on Earth before. She's oh, so fucking good in this. I, I have to say, I love Scarlett Johansson. I'm sure we'll have an episode about her. I like her weird choices that she makes when she acts. I think some of the stuff that she comes up with is so bananas and so weird. And her, you know, not to be too dude about this, but her use of sex appeal, her use of that becomes very peculiar and very different than how anybody has ever used sex appeal in movies. Like, it's very, yeah. I don't know. Especially it, this movie. Especially that it's movie. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And, like, all the parts where they're in the room mm-hmm. and, like, the dudes are just, like, going down. Right. If you haven't seen it, it's kind of like a, there's a killer alien who's there, and it's Scarlett Johansson, spoiler alert, and she's trying to stay alive on Earth, and it's sort of like the man who fell to earth or Starman or something, but not cool like that. No, like not cool she, at all. She has to kill to stay alive. She has to, but her way of using sort of this weird interdimensional thing where she tricks men to their death to eat their souls to stay alive or whatever is going on is one of the spookiest David and that's Lynch even, sort of. Without giving any spoilers yeah. away, there is something so much more spookier than all of that going on. Right. That one fucking scene that, oh, my God, it's amazing. It's also kind of a weird, interesting, like, compliment slash thing that, like, the alien would choose to be Scarlett Johansson to lure men to their deaths because she is kind of this weird siren-type character where, let's face it, if Scarlett Johansson showed up and asked you to do something, you'd, like, hey, come help me with my car, you would probably go help Scarlett Johansson. Even if you didn't like women, even if you weren't into it, there's something very, she's this very strangely beautiful human and you would want to help her. And that's such a weird, spooky trap. The idea of using We're shallow species. I'm sorry. What? We're shallow species. <laughs> we are shallow. 
exactly. Yeah. If, you know, there's, so, there's a lot of homeless people that don't look well, like Scarlett Johansson. Why are there don't so know. many folktales from Norse mythology, particularly, and Greek mythology, where a creepy, old, disgusting, terrifying person asks for help and you don't help them, and then they're like, I'm actually one of the gods, and you're an asshole for not helping me. You know, that's the test, because a beautiful person, you would totally help immediately. Yeah. Like, I'll totally help you, beautiful person. Gross, creepy person. No, 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 no. No, thank you. And then we have to be taught that lesson that you have to help everybody, no matter how gross or creepy they are, except for our president. <clears throat> Anyways. He's never learned a lesson in his he's life. He's never learned dick. Well, he might when they finally fucking string him up like Mussolini. Anyways, so then Ex Machina? Mm. No, you're, you're, the, you're the boss on this applesauce. Okay, I'll skip through some of these then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so uh, Locke is Tom Hardy mm. in real time in a car. He's the only actor in there. There's people on a phone. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a asshole, mm. but it's worth a watch. Nothing amazing. Definitely worth watching is uh, Obvious Child with Jenny Slate. It is very educational. It's very straightforward. <laughs> it is the most pro-choice movie you could see that is also just fucking hilarious. Yeah, I love Jenny Slate. Jenny Slate's amazing in this. It's a great fucking movie. Mm. The Immediately released after that was The Rover. It's an Australian uh, movie yes. with uh, Guy Pierce and Arpat. To steal Brian Tubbs' joke, it's uh, about a robot on Mars. <laughs> yes. What is that movie about, Nick? That movie is about some people in Australia. Mm. We, actually, this is getting spooky now. Mm. After they've lost all the water and all the land's gone barren. Ooh. It's like, yeah. Yeah, Koalas on Fire is not even metal, okay? No. It's not... You know, it's not even like Grizzly Bears on be, fire or something. Like, no. That would be a good name for like a J-Metal band. I guess, but it's it's just yeah. sad. It's just horrible. No, it's ho- half a billion animals have died at the time uh, of this recording. Uh, and the rover came out in uh, June... F- this no, bummer alert. June 13th. The Black Film School bummer alert. Yeah, June 14th, 2014. Okay. So this movie's... But also the guy who directed this is David Cod. He just he directed The King that's on uh, Netflix with oh. Arpad and uh, Timothy Chalamet. I know people made fun of Arpad. I liked him in it. I liked his crazy um, old French person accent. After that was Tusk. Oh, yes. Which I did not see because I hate Kevin Smith. Mm. Yeah, Kevin Smith's forays into dramatic stuff. You know me. I'm kind of a defender of 90s Kevin Smith particularly. I. It's more almost that Obviously, I, w- I was the perfect audience for it as a teenage boy when it came out, but also the fact that he just did it. He just fucking, you know, that's kind of the thing that I think me and you can at least appreciate is that more like more so than maybe any filmmaker, this guy, you know, basically committed credit card fraud to make yeah. clerks and made movies. But I've, I look right. at Kevin Smith in the mm. same way. I look at Robert Rodriguez where like their first movies they made were big hits. Then the rest of their career was them just doing what they wanted and having hits and misses and real highs and lows. Fair. And learning the pains of filmmaking after, like, coming out and making fucking, you know. That's fair, but I have to make this argument. I liked Zack and Mary make a porno way more than I have liked anything that Robert Rodriguez has made in, like, the last 20 years. Yeah. And it's very funny. And if you've never seen Zack and Mary make a porno, that's one that I would recommend it's Seth Rogen. Brian, put that on the list of the movies I've That's seen. fair. It's honestly, though, like, I'm surprised they haven't worked together again personally because that movie was a hit. And I thought Rogen and Kevin Smith went together in a way that worked better than I 
kind of thought it worked with like Apatow. I thought that Smith is somehow more like disciplined in the way that he makes stuff. And Rogan has this way of just tweaking things to make them really good. As opposed to like when he's in some of these movies that are just freewheeling all the way improv. I don't know. Anyways, but that's a secret one. That's not even an A24 movie. I don't no. know. It's probably Miramax. That's, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. So uh, after that, A Most Violent Year. Have uh, you seen that one? I have. I really like that movie. And it's with um, Oscar po- Isaac. Dameron, yes. Jessica Chanstein, mm-hmm. David Obiwalo, mm-hmm. Albert Brooks. Really good Albert Brooks. What's the general plot of that movie? Basically, Oscar Isaac owns a heating company. Mm-hmm. He is competing with somebody else. They have more trucks. They have more people. And his trucks are getting hijacked. Yes. So he starts going fucking crazy. He gets yeah. stressed out. And, like, there's some great lines in there by Albert Brooks. Mm-hmm. Albert Brooks is amazing in this. Albert Everyone's Bro- really good in this. Albert Brooks is always amazing. Hank Scorpio, okay? Mm, the Scout. <laughs> I'm just yes. Oh, for sure. I'm just yeah. saying Albert Brooks to me is one of those guys who doesn't turn in bad work. No. He's like, in bad shit, but he's never bad. Drive? He's in Drive. He's amazing in Drive. Yeah. I mean, I'm just... My hands are a little dirty. So are mine. The nicest mafia boss ever. Until he stabs that fucking one dumbass in the well, neck. You, you gotta do it, though. And also, way to blow it, beast man. Hellboy. You could have had it. You could have just... Oh, We'll do our whining reffing episode another time. But I love Albert Brooks, and I love yeah. him in that movie. I like Oscar Isaac a lot. I will say this. Sometimes Oscar Isaac is amazing. Yes. Sometimes he, like, we'll get into... He's my favorite Star Wars character. (laughs) Jesus Christ, no. But he is... Never say no during improv. Jesus Christ, no, because... There you go. There is Han Solo. I'm not... Okay, I made a joke. I don't want another Star Wars conversation. I know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let's just go back to 824. All I wanted was, like, I love that movie, but... My favorite Oscar Isaac A24 is coming up, is what I'm saying. I okay. His best movie, in my opinion, where he is beyond electric, way more than Poe Dameron, is another amazing A24 movie, and we will talk about that. But do you like that? Do you like Most Violent Year? Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. Would you... Ooh, I, I don't want to spoil our blockbuster wall, but... No. Um, yeah, oh, interesting. No, no you know, yeah, no. I agree. I know. I. It's not up the. It's worth watching. Yeah. It's absolutely worth watching. It's well written and very different. I feel like A24, after a certain point, mm. their movies just got better and better. Like, when Agreed. they started off, everything was sort of, like, up and down. But, like, nobody ever, like, hit the past the bar of, like, the quality they had set. And then, like, a couple years after Ex Machina, mm. starting with Ex Machina, mm. probably... They just started fucking turning out like bangers. I agree. My theory a little bit too is that because of that Roman Coppola first movie that failed, the curious case of Benjamin Dingledong or whatever that movie's called, Banana. I think that's the title. I think so. Um, That they didn't produce for a little while. They bought movies that were already independently made from, you know, that won awards at Cannes and Sundance and things like that. And they found the good shit and they bought it and distributed it. But right about this point is where they start to have enough money and clout to go back into full producing and actually being like, these are our guys. These are our, like, say, Oscar Isaac and these people who are coming up and they really start 
making their own movies. So what's what's next on the A24 timeline? The Noah Baumbach mm. movie that infuriated me so much I tried to leave three times during the theater. <laughs> Jesus. Th- during one screening? During one screening. <laughs> While we're young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I fucking hated this movie. I tried to leave it half an hour in. I literally got, fuck this movie. Got up and started leaving. And then Charles Grodin showed up. I was like, fine. Okay. And I sat back down and he was amazing. And then at the hour marker, I was like, I can't fucking do this anymore. This movie is nothing other than rich white people complaining yes. Yes. about how hard it is to live as a rich white person in New York City. Oh, my God. And it So is- I started leaving. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't have any fucking money. He is not keeping my eleven fifty because right. I went to a no, it was ten dollars. I went to a uh, matinee at the Landmark Century Cinema. <laughs> at the end of that movie, he pulls a George Lucas, and Bombach just comes out and starts waving his dick around and goes, "Your money's not my money." I wish it would have happened. Your money's not my money. Instead, I sat there and it's like seriously, like at the conclusion of this movie, when I knew it was like this is, the end, I was like, ugh. <laughs> That's one where Ben Stiller wears a hat, right? Yep. yep. That's what that movie should have been called. Ben, ben Stiller. Stiller wears a shitty hat. <laughs> Fuck you, Noah Baumbach. Oh, uh, man. I saw it with my ex-girlfriend, and I sighed a bunch, and she turned to me, and she went, you hate this movie? And I was like, I hate this movie. <laughs> I don't enjoy this. Yeah. Um, go to Australia. Go to Australia with those. What's wrong with you? Oh, I couldn't stand it. I don't even. I saw that movie in the theater. If you put a gun to my head and said, explain the plot to that movie, I'd be like, at one point, Ben Stiller, where's it? Where's it? Yeah. <laughs> and tell some very pretty girls he won't go to Australia with them. The only part of that movie I remember is Adam Driver yelling at a, oh. someone, a, yelling at a bicyclist going, hey, you don't ride on the sidewalk. That's the, the only part of that movie I remember. The fact that Adam Driver's in that is like a recalled memory from a yeah. dream that I had one time. Okay, let's never bring that movie up. No. Again. After Ben Stiller wears a hat. It's X Machina. X there we go. Machina. Alex Gardner. His directorial debut, I believe. Yeah. A fabulous writer. One of my favorite writers. His novels are fucking amazing. His movies are amazing. Sunshine. If you don't know who Alex Gardner is, he had a couple of fails. Slash semi-fails. Like The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio. And um, uh, that guy who directed Slumdog Millionaire. But... I love Alex Gardner's writing, and I really felt that he was actually allowed this time to have his writing really exist on screen. And if you've never seen that movie, you do yourself a favor and you watch Ex Machina. Spoiler alert, that's going to be on my fucking blockbuster film wall. Everybody in that movie is fucking electric. You've brought this movie up. Yeah. 10 times yeah. last 15 minutes. I think everybody I'm, knows. I'm sorry. It was like the A24 movie. When you said A24, want to do this episode, immediately this movie popped in my mind. It's kind of a super dark Willy Wonka style tale about a reclusive billionaire who has a contest within his own company to bring someone to his compound to see his new project, which happens to be actual full tilt artificial intelligence. And yet he's a nutball and he is dangerous and you don't know exactly how and you don't know exactly why, but he is also super charming and super cool and you can't take your eyes away. You can't take your eyes away. Alex Gardner wrote his version of Willy Wonka, and it's fucking amazing. What do you think about uh, Ex Machina? I think Ex Machina is a perfect movie. Mm. Start to finish, it's amazing. The cinematography's great. Oscar Isaac is amazing. Alicia Vindicor. I can't say names. I know. 
And then Vikander. Vikander. da. And then Dom Hell Gleason. Yes. Everyone in this is perfect. Yes. Every like the craziest bit though, my favorite part of this movie is the dance sequence. Oh my god. It's so good. Well, spoiler alert on that. There's yeah. an amazing dance sequence. There's an amazing dance sequence. But it's Willy Wonka, so it has yeah. to. I mean, it, it has to have a dance sequence. I mean, it really does. You tore up her paper. Only thing I'm tearing up is fucking dance floor. Yes. But it's also one of those movies where like as the ending was happening, I literally just had like my hand over my mouth. Yes, Alex Garland got nominated for best original screenplay. It also got nominated for best visual effects, which it deserved as well. Yeah, but Alex Garland, if you haven't seen it, the writing on it is just fabulous. It really, I think that's for me though the thing that really always stood out to me. It's one of those movies where I can't even really quote it as like a joke because the conversations are so strangely electric and interesting. They are so bizarrely well-constructed and good. And the ending is great. The twist ending is fucking amazing. I mean, it's not even that big a twist, really, but yeah. it's it's good. I adore that movie. But that was the one where they A24 starts to get nominated for Oscars. Most of the year got nominated for an Oscar. It did. It did. But this is two back-to-back Isaac, Oscar, Isaac. His name is Oscar. So sooner or later, they legally have to give him one, whether he wants it or not. But yes, I don't know how much more I can say about Ex Machina because I don't want to spoil anything. I, for anyone no. who hasn't seen it, there's so much weird twists in it and falling in love with a robot. But does she fall in love with you? Or It's fabulous. I don't know. Do you have other thoughts on Ex Machina or should we move on? No, we should move on. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay. What came next? Then? What came next was their first like major Oscar win was yeah. the movie Amy. The documentary about Amy Winehouse that won Best Documentary Feature. It did. It, it did. is a incredibly sad film. Why? What happened to Amy Winehouse? She quit music and then like retired. Yeah. With, um, She's good to go. Yeah, she became Amish. Interesting. The only way she couldn't do drugs. <laughs> the idea. Now they're the Amish do drugs until they're seventeen. That's like a Farley Brothers movie. The idea of like a crazy rock star British person. Faking I've their never own been death, so insulted, and then going to live with the Amish. <laughs> you wouldn't watch that movie, my butt. Um, well, if it came out like twenty years ago, <laughs> has, does anyone watch Farley Brothers uh, any movies anymore? One of them got an Oscar for that goofy ass. Uh, yeah, that movie is so <laughs> racist. <laughs> we'll talk about Marshall Ali though, because I do like him a lot. Yeah, we'll talk about a good movie. Yes, he was. Although he got Best Actor. I mean, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Yeah, after that is the end of the tour, which is a comedy about David Foster Wallace. So obviously oh. the movie's really dark. Yeah, with I actually uh, saw, Siegel, right? Yeah, Siegel and um, Jesse Eidensberg. Yeah, with Lex Luthor. Yeah. I actually saw this with uh, Count Dvorak <laughs> in the theater. That sounds right. Yeah. There's a lot of jokes in there mm. that only writers will like. And we went to a matinee. Yeah. So I'm not saying there wasn't a other writers there, yeah. but he and I were laughing our balls off at parts that, like, literally, people were turning around, like, "What are like? What are they, what's wrong with them? <laughs> what is this?" Yeah, I will say this though about that movie: I went to writer school in Illinois. I'm from Illinois. David Foster Wallace is like the writer equivalent, like a patron saint of writing. He was the Kurt Cobain to Seattle and Washington. He was this figure who blew up the writing world and did something completely different. And he was a weird homegrown Illinois guy. And then he went down and went down by suicide. And I honestly, that movie, not only does that guy himself, but that movie spooked me out. It spooks me out to this day. 
I laughed a couple of times, but as the movie kept going, I kept remembering to myself how much I liked his books and how much the guy fucking hung himself. And he has these epic speeches that he's given about the power of humanity and staying around and fighting through all these things. And that guy went down. And I just, that movie freaks me out. It freaks me out. Moving on. I don't know. Well, you made the Australian thing seem way less depressing. <laughs> Look, David Foster Wallace, read his books. You know, Infinite Jest is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's fucking unbelievable. It is one of the coolest pieces of writing ever written by an American, for sure. And he happened to be a kind of weird Illinois hillbilly. And the preposterousness of the nihilism of both that movie and... Of the A24 movies that I don't like, that I might throw in my dumpster, it's up there. I thought it was a cash-in on sort of somebody who I didn't think needed to get dunked on. I don't know. That's me, personally, on that one. So next is... <laughs> I don't think they dumped on him, and that's... Is it dunked on? Oh, okay. Like, do you think David Foster Wallace would have thought that movie was cool? I don't think anybody thinks that movie's cool, though. I'm saying. That's the problem. Yeah. If he would have signed off on the movie. I don't know. Maybe. Fucking straight up Hunter S. Thompson 100% signed off on Terry Gilliam and Johnny Depp making Leaving Las Vegas. Leaving. <laughs> Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas because he got Johnny Depp addicted to meth while filming it. But there's certain ones with certain writers about. Certain writers have better sense of humor. That's also fair. Yeah. That is also fair. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. What's next? Next is Mississippi Grind, mm. which uh, isn't the best movie on any of these lists, but it's got Ben Mendelsohn in it, yeah. and he's... And Deadpool. And Deadpool, and mm. Alfre Wooder, mm. and Sienna Miller, and Ben Mendelsohn keeps making horribly bad decisions yes. over and over, <laughs> and you just, you, you just want to shake him like a baby that won't stop crying. It's like Rounders, but less fun. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> The best part of that movie is Ryan Reynolds going, who do you owe money to? And Ben Mendelsohn just taking a second going, everybody. everybody. I love Ben Mendelsohn. I love Ben Mendelsohn. I want to tell I, a big shout out. Yeah. I'm sure we will do a Ben Mendelsohn at some point. Oh, we, yeah. I love the fact that Ben Mendelsohn has literally been around since the 80s. Yeah. And now he is an A-list movie star in Marvel stuff, in Star Wars stuff, and like in the biggest stuff is Ben Mendelsohn, yeah. always. He's so good. He's kind of a secret Australian Steve Buscemi to me a little bit, I suppose. After that is Room. Mm. Sorry, Tommy Wesso. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Brie Larson or Giant <laughs> my, Forehead. You're my favorite customer. Yeah. <laughs> you're tearing me apart, Lisa. You're my favorite captive. You remember for years me and you would greet each other and say, oh, hi, Mark. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was the best. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. That's this movie, right? No. <laughs> this is a movie. This is a boot. I'm a Canadian now. It's a, it's a movie about It's daily. about say, uh, a woman held hostage for seven years with her yeah. stupid son. <laughs> he is kind of a dumbass. Jacob but Trimley. he was raised in a room, so. Sure, fine, whatever. I was raised in a basement. I turned out better than this fucker. <laughs> Anyways. Are you insinuating you were kidnapped? No, my parents tried to give me away several times. <laughs> no one was buying. Um, Mine too. I was returned a couple of times. Um, <laughs> he's out of control. I really like Room, though. I liked Room. I yeah. just think of the movies on this list, probably the most overrated. 
interesting. I do think Captain Marvel is amazing in it. I think she's yeah, absolutely- she's great, she but it's is, like, there's too much things from the kid's point of view. I don't fucking care about that kid. It's crazily watchable, though. Yeah. It's one of those ones, I will say this about some A24 movies, I start watching them, and I go, this is so indie and so out there. <laughs> and I just, oh, I don't know, fast forward through the boring parts. <laughs> that happens. But I didn't in room. I never did in room. It always was kind of fascinating to me. And is there another movie like Room? You know, that idea of you start the whole thing where the entire world is encapsulated in one room. Did you not see that fucking Brendan Fraser movie? The Mummy? Yes. <laughs> Encino Man? No. Uh, Air Facts. <laughs> Do you know the title of this for real or no? No, I don't. I don't know what you're No, the one where he like grows up in a bunker and his, oh! his parents tell him there's no outside world and he goes out into the world. Oh, what is that movie with uh, Christopher Walken? Yeah. And uh, Sissy Spacek plays yeah. his mom. It's called like Blast from the Past. That, that's it. That's hey, what it is. Can't Brian Tepps. Brian Tepps was a save. Super yeah. producer Brian Tepps. Blast from the Past. I've never seen that movie. Is that A24? It's uh, B23. I remember seeing a trailer of it. Yeah, I never saw that movie. <laughs> Don't worry. They made... Uh... Super producer Brian Tepsaw four times. Wow. And he admitted to it. Wow. Don't That's... edit this out, Brian. Maybe it is good. I don't know. Maybe Brian's depressed. Kimmy... Are you okay? I mean, it's basically Kimmy Schmidt, uh, but mind. like, if you have Tina Fey, you can make it good. Let me say this, though, about Room real quick, though. I know I kind of said it, but Brie is amazing in it. She is awesome. Brie Larson is fucking, she deserves the shit out of that Oscar. She makes that movie into something transcendent, something that it really didn't have any right being, in my opinion. It is awesome. It's fucking awesome. Her performance in that movie. Yeah. I have to I have to say that. I've had a crush on Brie Larson since Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Yes. Agreed. But also, I just, I like her as an actor, but I mean, she's- tr- I'm Brian- Producer Brian Tepsa just freaked out. Mm-hmm. We just remembered. Yeah. Kind of like uh, how I had a crush on Aubrey Plaza since <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> and, then, and then you're like, Aubrey Plaza was in that movie? Oh, yes. Yes. She most certainly was. She's mostly bleeped out. Yeah. Overall, though, what do you think on Room? I know you were saying. you. So you're kind of. I I love Brie Larson. Yeah. I can't stand that fucking kid. Mm. He is kind of annoying yeah, as shit. He's annoying. Yeah. Otherwise, the movie's great and it's fucking traumatizing to watch. So it is definitely the experience. A twenty four traumatizing to watch. Yeah, there we go. There's a tagline they haven't used yet. <laughs> um What's next? Up next is a movie that we both love. Ooh. The Witch. Oh, fuck yes. I remember the first time I saw The Witch, and I went and saw it in the theater by myself. And old what's his name? The goat, the black. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, come on. You start off with old. I want to see where you go with this. Old man Phillips. Jesus. Old Philip. Black Philip. Black Philip. Yes. But that movie moves and has beats and notes that are not like other movies. And we'll talk about my even more favorite Eggers movie kind of as we close down the episode because it's one of the more recent ones. But I feel like here's my take on Eggers and his movies. They are live action versions of the really old 
1930s black and white weird Disney movies, like dancing skeletons and like, what the fuck is going on? And is this a comedy? Is this a drama? What am I watching? Oh shit. Magic is real. Everything is happening. Holy balls. This is unstoppable. I can't stop watching this. And if you've never seen the VVI, TCH, the V. If you haven't seen The Witch, it's another one. It is, for me, one of those ones where... Also, A24 dabbling into horror, true horror. I know Ex Machina, I know Room, I know these things have elements of horror, but this is kind of their first horror movie, right? Tusk. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Let's just count that. (laughs) Because this thing is so good and so crazy. Under the Skin's a horror movie, a horror sci-fi movie. Yeah, you're right, you're right. That is true. And... Seeing Spring Breakers was horrible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would say also um, Enemy has horror elements yeah. to it as well. Uh, they they dabble in dark. I feel like maybe the best A24 movies are kind of dark. They are good at dark. And that sort of weirdness, exactly like we're talking about, the traumatizing nature becomes more palatable because it's a horror movie. Because it's supposed to be traumatizing. That's why you went into this. That's why you're watching this. But The Witch is a period piece. It is a family story it is a comedy it is historical fiction it is madness it is madness how good it is it is preposterous i'm sorry i love the witch and i think it is amazing what do you what do you think about the witch nick i have bought several people mm-hmm. black philip plush dolls yes. and then the the things with the big heads black philip is the goat in the movie by yes. the way slash is he he's a little more than that i suppose a little bit we have but, friends with black Philip tattoos. Yes, we do. <laughs> this movie is amazing, mm-hmm. and um, I can't get enough of it. I, I've bought this movie as a gift for people, a few people. I like Edgar's writing a lot, too. Yeah. Edgar's writing is so on point. It makes every single character pop, every single little weird side. There aren't that many characters. It's a family, isolated, in the woods, but they all become fully three-dimensionalized. Every single character has, even the shitty little brother and sister have their own (laughs) weird character arcs and have their own eccentricities, and it becomes bizarre. The mother's allegiance to the gold, her cup, her gold cup. It's for a generation that grew up on witchy pagan stuff like myself, and it is sort of, become real and we are now currently in the only era of modern human history since the druids where being pagan is allowed there aren't straight up police arresting us and burning us at the stake now for it to begin to appear in movies as something very powerful and very strange and very poetic and insane and funny it's amazing to watch it's amazing to watch it's truly the witch and I couldn't believe what I was seeing when I saw it I couldn't believe it it's not even that scary you little pussies it's not that scary. It's not, you're not really selling a horror movie by <laughs> saying it's not that scary and calling people that like it pussies. Okay, but it's the diff- It's the difference than Ari, right? Where well, we'll get into him, right? Ari Aster, we'll talk about him in a minute. He's another A24 guy. But his movies are genuinely scary. They are straight up scary. They are meant to scare you, to frighten you. Eggers goes the other way. These movies are so moody and so spooky and so intellectually frightening. But as you begin to unravel them, you start to realize your own personality and whether you are actually afraid or whether you're like into this and you're like, this is so fucking cool. (laughs) This is so cool. 
<laughs> and I love that. I love that about his movies. I love that about this. And I feel like this is when truly A24 starts to like come into its own, in my opinion. This is, I know this is a, a movie studio that's only been around for seven years, but this is, you know, fabulous to me. Fat Eight years at this point, but fabulous to me. I don't know any other hot takes on. Um... You pretty much summed it all up. Well, thank you, thank you. Well, what's next? What's what did A twenty four make next? Up next is. Uh oh. Uh oh. Made. It's fucking green room. <laughs> oh. I love uh-huh. this movie. I love this I, is one of my favorite films of all time. I love Salone. It's um. I watched this stone during the day by myself. Mm-hmm. And there is a savage attack that takes place. Mm. It's a movie about a punk band mm. who's on the road and they take a gig at a club in the Pacific Northwest. That's all boots and laces, which means it's skinheads. Mm. Yes. They see some shit they shouldn't see. And it turns into assault on, um, you know, Appreciate white supremacist, assault on <laughs> white supremacist 13. <laughs> and it is nonstop tension mm-hmm. and uh yeah there's an assault scene in this movie that oh. is so graphic and terrible i paused the movie for 10 minutes and called just rose and just couldn't i was alone in the shark shack in the middle of the day <laughs> and I, the air was on i was just yes. i was like i can't do this and i paused it and then i wandered around the house and made some phone calls and smoked some cigarettes and smoked another one hitter <laughs> and then just like fucking was like all right going back in and then i just forced myself to watch it Aaron and I made Bobcat watch this. Oh my he god! He lost his fucking shit. He can't do horror movies at all. Yeah. Holy shit! You yeah. you guys need to edge him in. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, I think that's why I'm desensitized. Though I got edged in my whole life. Like, oh yeah, I got shown the Frank Whaley, not Frank Whaley the actor, but the Frank Whaley director, Frank, Frank Wales. Frank Wales. Yes, correct. Thank you. Sorry. No, no, that's fabulous. No, I appreciate that. But the Frankenstein, which I loved as a child, which is, you know, the, the universal stuff, and, like, got edged in it as I was watching Freddy movies when I was, like, 10 years old. And I have to say, Jeremy Solonet movies freak me out. Oh, yeah. They freak me out. They genuinely... See, it's the opposite of The Witch to me. It is the opposite of the Eggers movies to me. Okay, I do have to say this about Solonet, and I don't know if there's enough yet. I love him as a director of young directors... Jeremy Solnay's movies are awesome. I don't know what happened with him on the third season of True Detective. His first two episodes are awesome. And that third season is really good. And Marshall Ali, who's an A24 all-star. But his stuff, Blue Ruin, if you've never seen Blue Ruin. Blue Ruin, though, to me is not scary. Blue Ruin is... It's not scary. It's, it's just a revenge movie. It's a revenge that's strange yeah. and spooky and heartfelt and poetic and... If you've never seen Blue Ruin, I highly recommend you watch Blue Ruin. But Solonet's action in both Blue Ruin and Green Room, interesting. He uses the color stuff, mm-hmm. but and very, but just his use of violence is so. His violence is so violent and real. Yeah, and shit that could happen to you. You could end up in a white supremacist thing, or your parents yeah. could get murdered. You know, like these things could happen to you. These are not also, Freddy Krueger. There's this- no child molester, fucking custodian yeah. who your parents murdered, who haunts your dreams. That's not happening. But this shit could happen. This yeah. could go down. This probably has gone down. It has gone down. Like the uh, Northwest has had a lot of fucking. White supremacist problems for a long time. That's why he made this movie. Yeah. And much in the same respect that the rover predicted some stuff in Australia, mm-hmm. this is predicting stuff everywhere. Right. White supremacy is fucking now just 
The fucking yeah. KKK are just yeah. walking around without their masks on. And the lesson that is to be learned is don't tour around with your lame punk band. That's what you shouldn't. Their band's not lame. <laughs> if you go on Spotify, you actually hear the songs <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> written for the movie. Maybe check out. Get, How dare you say that about the Eight Rights? Hire Super Producer Brian Taps. Hire me as your manager and Nicholas Sauter as a team. Fucking leave me out of this. Okay, we will check. You go, go fucking. We will check into whether or not it's a white supremacist venue <laughs> ahead well, of they time. They knew ahead of time. I know, and that too, well, but it's weird. They had no though. money to get home, though. Right, it's the classic horror movie thing. They get offered a deal at the yeah. beginning. They don't have any money. They could just beg by the side of the Walmart and get some cash and limp their way home. But then someone offers for them to get like eight hundred bucks to play a show, and that show is a devil's bargain. You know that element. You are offered a deal, and you made a choice to put yourself in the situation. Which is also spooky because now it's kind of on you. You kind of did this to your fucking self. Ah, uh, man. I and Solene, you way- are really on the victim blaming this episode. Oh no, no, I'm not. No way. Brie Larson, fucking. I didn't mean Brie Larson. Brie Larson fucked that guy up. Like literally outsmarted that fucking piece of shit who imprisoned her. It's which is awesome. I love that element. Okay, I'm. <laughs> How dare you victim blame Brie Larson? That you just victim. We're not even talking about room, motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus. Who am I victim blamed? The that, band. You just victim blamed the uh, band. Well, no, I'm just saying that a lot of horror movies have that cool thing with, not necessarily cool, but like a devil's choice. Right? No, I know. I'm just like, and, I was making a joke. Yes. Yes. I I hate jokes. I am very Obviously, serious. I'm yes. the most serious boy who's ever lived. I'm more humble than all of you. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, Green Room, I watched once. So I've watched Blue Ruin a couple of times. I've watched the third season of True Detective a couple of times. Captain Picard is in it, and he's really scary. It's terrifying. <laughs> he's terrifying, which I really... That's also something I will say. I really liked that Patrick Stewart was given a role where he's not just being kindly and funny. Yeah. He was allowed to have some chops, have some crazy person chops, which I know we're going a little long, but Patrick Stewart tells this story about... So his dad was an actor, too, in England, a theater actor, and he was kind of a piece of shit who had gotten in trouble for, you know, actor crimes like fraud and owing people money and things like that. And he was like, my dad was always kind of nice to me, but, you know, he was weird. He was, and it was very strange. He invited Patrick Stewart. He was a kid. He was like 12 years old. He invited him to come to one of his performances, you know, and he had never been invited. And it was very strange. And his dad was being very nice to him the whole day, Right before this, and then he sees this play that his dad is in. But before he sees the play, he's in the dressing room with his dad, and literally the police show up, and they go, "You're under arrest." And he goes, "Look, the play is about to go on." And this is England, also where this makes sense. America, they just fucking tase you. But in England, he's like, "I'm about to go on. Please, just let me play the show. Let me do the show." You can watch the show, and then you can arrest me afterwards, right? And Patrick Stewart said, he watched the show. His dad was amazing. <laughs> and then at the end of the show, when his dad was supposed to exit stage left, he exited stage right, and he didn't see his dad again for 30 years when he found him in Canada. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just, I love that story. I heard that story. And, all right. Uh, what's next? What's next is The Lobster. Ooh, a movie that Count Dvorak likes a lot. It's a lot a, of people like this movie a lot. It's awkward. It sucks. No, I'm just kidding. 
I have trouble with this movie. I have trouble with Vlathemos. Vlathemos. Yorgos Lanthimos. Lanthimos. Yes. He's a very skilled filmmaker. What do you think about The Lobster, Nick? I loved it. I Spoiler alert. Mm, you loved it. I loved it. This movie's amazing. I think it's absolutely hilarious. I love their idea of the fucking um, weird, like, post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. thing. Where they're going to turn you into an animal if you're single for 30 fucking days yeah. or 45 days. It's crazy pants. Yeah. It's crazy The acting pants. this is amazing. Yeah. Cinematography is great. It was nice to see John C. Riley doing something that wasn't just, like, straight comedy again. Yeah. Being back. It's nice to see Colin Farrell in the movie that's actually good. See, kind of a problem line, though. See, Colin Farrell, I try. I try. <laughs> try with Colin Farrell. I have no personal beef with the guy. I just I don't buy it. I never buy it. Like if I'm being middle school theater teacher and I'm watching him act, I'm like, I don't buy any of this. I don't buy dick. But I don't know. I It's one of those ones where everybody keeps telling me it's good. And I just personal taste. I've watched it and there's funny stuff in it. It's true. But the level of awkward shit, the level of humiliation shit, the level of, I don't know. I like the favorite. I thought the favorite kind of. It's not A24. I know it's not, but it's Lathamos. I know. Um, just... I'll give it another try. I only watched it the once. I may have also been just kind of sad in general when I watched it. There's also. A I was sad when I saw it. Mm. I will give it another try. I'll give it another try. But if you want to talk about The Lobster, I am open to listening to you talk about it because I love you talking about movies. So This movie I enjoyed so much that by the end of it, I literally was walking up and down the aisle in the Logan Theater because if I sat there, I would have pissed my pants. Chicago, I refused, Chicago. I refused to miss it. Mm-hmm. Rachel Weisz is really good in this. Everyone's really good, good in this. Underrated as fuck. Um, Future Blockbuster Film School episode. I think she's rated. She's rated. Yeah, but no I one's ever like, said anything bad about Rachel Weisz. I, I think nerds like us know her, though. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a mainstream element where if I showed a picture of Rachel Weisz to, like, my grandmother, she wouldn't know who she is. Like, she would know no, That's who, the extreme of the test, though. But that's what I mean. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I just went around showing people a picture of Rachel Weisz, like, being like, who is this? They'd be like, that's that actress. And I'd be like, what's her name? And they're like, mm. you know? As opposed to showing a picture of, like, Tom Hanks. And they're like, that's Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Whereas I feel like she is of that caliber of actor. Like, she is that good. I like her as, I think she's a better actor than Tom Hanks. All right, hold on. Brian, cut this off. I have to take my shirt off so we can fight. All right, all right, hold on. (laughs) And we're done fighting. Nick won, as always. Yeah. I'm brutally beaten. But I am correct. How dare you? I don't like Tom Hanks movies. What? What? The level of lies that are happening right now. We talk about the burbs all the time, yes. Do you ever hear me bring up any other Tom Hanks movies? You talk about big every day. You say, Mm. I wish that I could go back to being a 13-year-old boy. I wish that wish didn't happen. I wish I could forget every year before (laughs) I was 30. (laughs) You do. I hated being young. I love Tom. Jesus, Jesus. Let's not. No, no, no. We're not going to get into a fucking argument of like. whether. There's not an argument. I'm just saying. I'm not saying Tom Hanks is a bad actor. I'm saying I like Rachel Mm. Weisz better. That's fair. Okay. That's literally the whole thing. That's fine. It's insane. But that's fine. That's I agree. Okay. I imagine if Rachel Weisz was the lead of the burbs. It'd be weird because she was like 15 when that movie came out. No, but I'd still watch it. Probably. She's married to Carrie Fisher. That's that's. 
Odd, odd choice, but I like it. It's to watch. I will say one thing. I do think I will watch The Lobster again. I need to give it another shot. I respect your opinion enough. I don't think I gave it a strong enough shot. I like Lathamos's movies a lot. I like his movies as a filmmaker. Me personally, I had weird moments in my life when I watched that. I know we made fun of Count Dvorak, the floating vampire who haunts us throughout the years. But I think I I will give the lobster another shot because I love you. Because I'm in love with you. But I do think we're coming into the end, maybe, oh, I don't know, Blockbuster Film School, of the end of this episode, which will be the first half. This episode. What what are we at here, Nick? What's what's the next day twenty four? Uh, we got a couple left, or we could sort of mention before we get to the big one. Um, little documentary that you and I like, De Palma. Oh fuck yeah! I think this documentary is better than the majority of his films that he's made. Kind of kind of have to. Agree. Yeah, <laughs> De Palma to me has always just sort of been like a hired gun. Hmm, he's one of those weird ones where it's sometimes. But sometimes his shit is fucking transcendent. Yeah. Well, he talks about that. Yeah. He talks about it like you're on set and you know nothing's working or you're on set and everything's working. Or he just looks in the camera and goes, that was a disaster. The, the best bit about that, it's Bombach who made it. but And Paul Trow. Yes. Jake Paul Trow. Jake Paul Trow. Yeah. Which, oh, man, I, the young ones. I love that movie. But the best is just listening to De Palma talk. Yeah, that's a- amazing. Allowing him he, to just... There's one shot of him just in yeah. close-up, mm-hmm. sitting in a chair, in a room, just talking about film. And I will say this about that movie. So much of that movie has stuck with me. Has stuck with me. Just things that he said. Exactly like you said, where sometimes you're making something and it just works. You know what I'm talking about. In everything. In life. Sometimes it just is magic. It's happening. You're making Carrie and it seems to make itself. You're making Mission Impossible. It seems to make itself. And then you make other stuff, and it's just a disaster. It's a nightmare. And everything is a chore, and you know it's not going to work, but you have to make it. I agree with He is kind of of that film school generation, that weird one where he may kind of just have been the kind of construction worker. What? You know what I'm saying? He's not an architect like Scorsese or Spielberg. or He just makes stuff. Yeah. But he's good at making stuff but it doesn't always work. Sometimes the house sucks. Sometimes it's awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, I love De Palma. I, if nothing else, you're right. That's the best De Palma movie. Is De it Palma. is the best De Palma movie. <laughs> Just him looking at the camera goes, yeah, I don't know. My dad's going to be mad at me because he loves the untouchables. He thinks the untouchables. The untouchable. Okay. Joe, right? Yes. Joe Bonner. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I will not say that the untouchables is a, God awful, unwatchable piece of shit. It is. He is. But I won't say that. I and out of respect to your you're family. Absolutely, I'm not going to say no. But in terms of weird old Chicago stuff, in terms of bringing all these actors who kind of had a little lull in their career, I the Untouchables had. They made people believe that Andy Garcia was good at acting. Okay, no, they didn't. They really, nobody thought that the career that he had after that because of the Untouchables. Because of that awesome sequence where the baby carriage goes down the stairs at the end, you got it? Yeah, I got him. That gave Andy Garcia a career. It really did. And it's an extremely well-crafted movie, in my opinion. It also 
is with what DePaul was saying, where sometimes you make a movie and, oh, shit, this whole thing's coming together. Goddamn. And people like this? Oh, shit. I mean, it really, you are correct. Of some gangster movies and some things, it's not on the level of, like, Scorsese or, you know, of the ultimate. But it's De Palma. It's a De Palma period piece. I don't like De Palma. That's fair. That's on you. I like De Palma, but I don't like De Palma. That's fair. That's fair. But I... We'll defend The Untouchables because there's so much good shit in it. it really, I will defend Mission Impossible. I'll defend Carrie. I will defend the De Palma movies that are elite because they are. It's bizarre. He has so much bad shit. He has so many bad De Palma movies. But the ones that work, they work. Like I said, kind of this weird architect thing. The ones that work, work. And the ones that don't are trash. They yeah. are trash. It's insane. But yeah, watch De Palma. And... Um, What's uh, what's next on uh, A24? We got Swiss Army Man. Ooh. One of the weirdest fucking movies yes, they put out. Yes, yes. About using a dead boy for your, a movie that I think Jeffrey Dahmer came up with initially. He had a fantasy about a dead Maybe. boy he could use for anything he liked. Yeah. He was his best friend. Pretty great, though. It is fun. It has Harry Potter in it. That's the end of my take on Swiss Army Man. I really like Paul Dano in this. He is mm-hmm. incredibly just, oh God. I know. I like Dano a lot, and I, I mean, he's in a P.T. Anderson movie. I mean, he's, he's Dano. I, it just, it's a real shame that he's not having Jesse Eisenberg's career. I don't know. I like Jesse Eisenberg, though. That's not a dig. I just, sometimes there's a guy who's already you, and he's already there. That's kind of how Hollywood works a little bit. What are we at on A24? Little movie called Moonlight. Oh, and this is where we are. This is big. This is it's big. Huge. This is huge for A24. Yeah. It beats out dumbass La La Land in one of the weirder moments in the history of the Oscars, which. Where Warren Beatty is so old, he proves himself useless. <laughs> or he took Molly, and <laughs> nobody else did. And he is high oh. as a kite. He took Molly and someone else did. He's not the only one there. Oh, absolutely. Ever seen the Golden Globes? You take Molly before you go to the award show. But Marshala Ali is, he's fucking awesome. Yeah. Everyone in this movie is awesome. Agreed. This movie is fantastically cast, acted, perfectly written. Yeah. Most people don't know how to light black people or just dark skinned people in general. That's a very interesting And this point. movie. Everyone in this is gorgeous. Yes. They do this superbly. And then there's just also, and that's not Mm. that either. There's amazing shots in this. There's like when they're driving the car and you see the reflection of everything on the hood. This movie is just gorgeous. Yes. And the levels of like painful things that go down in the movie, some of them don't really even occur on screen. Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything, but just. Life is life. Like, things happen. Things occur, and you become who you are, and the transitions of time, and following the main character, and following this world, you just sort of slowly become invested in it, and it's not it's not your usual, in my opinion, kind of exploitive movie about people who are fucking trying to stay alive in America, who have the fucking boot on their throat, right? No matter what. Like, it's different than that. It's something else. It truly is. It's Moonlight. And it deserved to win Best Picture. Marshal Ali deserved to win an Oscar. It deserved to win Best Adapted Screenplay. Yes. It's fucking fabulous. Yeah. 
And why I think we're going to end this episode on it is because it establishes A24 now. A24 is not just an upstart. They won Best Picture, and now they are something that is to be reckoned with. And the movies that they put out with their brand that says that cool A24 lo-fi VHS logo before that comes in, that is now a standing thing that will exist in the history of Hollywood forever. Plenty of people and plenty of other studios have put out cool shit, but as much as it's shitty and all these awards and rich assholes handing each other gold statues, however, you win an Oscar particularly for Best Picture, that does mean something. It does mean something. Even if it's stupid, everyone still talks about Crash being dumb. Because it is. Because it shouldn't have won Best Picture. These kinds of things. It matters when you win Best Picture, no matter what. And Moonlight deserved to win Best Picture, and it was A24, and it fucking was a culmination of everything they had done. They had... put all these cool actors together. They had put all these cool directors and writers who other people had not given shots to. And Moonlight established that shit. And it beat La La Land, which I felt was also a kind of cool kick in the fucking nuts because this is a dumbass movie as much as I love fucking goddamn Gosling. And as much as I love M. Stone, that movie is dumb. It is dumb as shit. It is exclusively executed to win an Oscar. And it lost It lost to A24, and it lost to Marshal Ali. That's what fucking happened, and A24 fucking beat them. And now we'll get into this next episode, but that's when, in my opinion, A24 now has a cachet that other movie studios do not have because they are the upstart one that will take risks but also win Oscars. And that's a fucking weird dichotomy that hasn't existed since early Miramax, since fucking Orion. I don't know. What else else about Moonlight? If you rewatch it, or if people who haven't seen it watch it, pay close attention to Chiron eating. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. That's a huge thing, because, like, in this movie, mm. food is safety. And when, when he's alone, he's cooking by himself. Yeah. You see him at school in the mm. lunchroom. That's where he gets uh, beat up. Yeah. You don't actually see him eat. Mm. And then when he actually is older, and you see him eat again, yeah. and you realize who he's eating with, who made him the food? Movie about it's huge. Tr- movie about trust. Yeah. About trusting people. I love that movie. I do. It's really good. It's really fabulous. I think that's going to, we're going to continue A24 next week. And because of this, it'll be a special blockbuster film school. I don't need any dumpster. Any dumpster for. No. I might throw that Roman Coppola away. Have you seen it? Banana. Banana the movie. Did you see Banana the movie? No, but Roman Coppola and me have a beef, okay? Personal beef. I'll fight him on the street. That's not true. I'm just kidding, Ron. I don't have any dumpster. No, I have no A24 dumpster. I have movies that I like lesser, you know, but I, it's not like there are movies that belong in the blockbuster dumpster. And A24 has some fails, but they are not dumpster. No. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall! We're only going to do two of our five blockbuster wall here. So what's your five? Green Room. Mm, Dope. Captain Picard. I don't know who this Captain Picard person is. Is that for real? No, I know who it is. I've never (laughs) fucking seen a Star Trek movie he's in or a show. I'm not going to acknowledge it if I don't have to. Star Trek, Star (laughs) Wars. Okay, well, you could say Professor X. 
I would know Professor X. <laughs> I know his name on Star Trek. I haven't seen that shit. That's fair. That's fair. That's I'm not going to acknowledge Star Trek. <laughs> I'm not eat that, Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. Rotten uh, hell, fucker. <laughs> oh, no, his ghost is here. Oh, no, he's throwing cash on us. That's weird. Take my pants off. Cheesy <laughs> crease. My five will be hmm, the bling ring. It is. I love Sofia Coppola. It's not her best movie, but it's her throwing a stinger in her doing something different. And if you ever want to see a movie that's different and is incredibly watchable, you watch yourself the bling ring. You can't take your eyes away. I defy you. You turn on the bling ring, you start watching it. It's about some teenagers who just live in LA and they just cruise up the hill and steal shit from rich people. And the rich people don't even notice it's gone until they do. And then they punish the children. And you're like, what the fuck is this? I love that movie. What's your four? Moonlight. Yeah. I mean, Marshall Ali, man, I'll watch him do anything. Honestly, any character choices he has. I don't want to spoil anything about that movie, but man, all those, I mean, honestly, all those actors, it's honestly upsets me a little bit that a lot of those actors, I don't see in as much stuff as I think they maybe should, you know, like I like a lot of those actors in that movie, but obviously Marshall Ali is the fucking biz. Also that outfit he's wearing at the fucking beginning when you first meet him, he's got the white jeans on and the fucking tucked in fucking Hawaiian polo shirt. And I just, I, I dig it. I dig it. I'm going to throw as my four, though, Ex Machina. I'm going to say Ex Machina only because there's such good fucking A24 shit that we're going to get into coming up. But if you haven't seen the crazy, darkest version of Alex Garland's fucking Willy Wonka, you do yourself a favor. Oscar Isaac, like you said, that dance sequence. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying dance sequence. It'll blow your fucking mind. Don't watch it super high on edibles, which I did once. I mean, do. I'm going to disagree with my co-host <laughs> as much as possible right now. It's legal here. Wherever here is, it's legal where you are, too. Just go get them. Make them yourself. I, watch X Machina I agree. Edibles. I agree. Buy them from me and Nick. We're going to have that Blockbuster Film School edibles coming soon. But I will say this. We'll have a better name. <laughs> it's legal here. Jesus. This is a makeshift studio, not a makeshift dispensary. <laughs> okay. Listen, if fucking Oliver Platt, the governor of fucking Illinois, wants to come after us, okay, you can give it a whirl, okay? But <laughs> I'm just saying the edible one, do it the second time. Watch Ex Machina. Literally listen to the fucking dialogue. Just listen to it. Listen to how preposterous that it is. Do you go deaf on edibles? No, but things become impressionist when you're on edibles. You know what I mean? Things become a little more smeared, finger paint, pastel. If you want to just crystal clear, crystal clear, watch Ex Machina. And then, yeah, absolutely. And then when you realize how fucking dope it is, watch it on any drug you like after for infinitum into the rest of your life because it's fucking amazing. We will continue the blockbuster wall. I don't know if there will be dumpster stuff. We might have some next week, but I think it's been pretty good. Nick, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah fair. That's fair. Brian Tepps, what do you think? Super producer? He's giving the double thumbs up. And um, 
Well, I'm Alex Bonner, joined by Super Producer Brian Tapps, and of course, the true host of the show, one of the greatest human beings in the entire world, Mr. Nicholas, no middle name Souter. That's true. That's true. I love you. I love all of yous and unto yous. And I want you to remember, as Ricky Gervais says, get drunk, do you drugs, fuck off, good riddance. <laughs> The best way to close out the Golden Globes of all time, though. I'm sorry. They didn't even bleep him out at the end. He said, fuck off at the end of the Golden Globes on fucking NBC. And they didn't bleep him out because I think he just hosts stuff. If Ricky Gervais was the host of Monday Night Football from now on, the ratings would shoot to the fucking roof. It would be insane. I think it'd be Dennis Miller 2.0. I don't know. No, because he's actually funny. Anyways. Agree to disagree. (laughs) All right, everybody, join us next week. This is Blockbuster Film School. You're all lovely. Continue everything you're doing. Drive your car real fast. Do drugs. I love you all. I'll see you later.